Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you guys know what time it is? No. Would you please enlighten us? Oh, it looks like I'm the bearer of very good news because it is, in fact, high noon on a Monday, and you know what that means. What does it mean? It is time for Hypothetically Speaking here on Blaze Radio on blazeradioonline.com. We are live from the Bill Austin Radio Studio here on downtown Phoenix campus at ASU. That was very smooth. Yes, it was. Um, Buttery. Oh, (laughs) velvety. I'm Kirsten Dorman, as per usual. I'm Gideon Karaoke, and uh, yes, I'm here. I'm Nicole Pinter, and I'm also here, I think. I'm pretty sure. Gosh, who keeps... I'm like 90% sure I'm here. <laughs> who keeps letting you guys in the studio? <laughs> I have ID access. Oh, I, I actually do, too. Who gave that to you. I wonder who gave that to you. That's so weird. My, my, my biggest flex is I had it over, like, Gabby, who is a d- director, and I'm not, and I, I had ID <laughs> access. I also have ID access to the building, and I'm not a Cronkite student, so what? that is my biggest flex. Biggest I mean, flex. I do, too. <laughs> Too, but that's there's very specific reasons why I do have ID access yeah. to this building. Well, it's amazing I still have it after like not being here for a year and like two years of not being a journalism major. It's just funny. That's my biggest still, flex. Regardless, I joke also because it's my job partially here at Blaze to organize who does and doesn't get studio access. So Oh, please don't change that. <laughs> <laughs> when I say, oh, who let that happen? <laughs> I'm talking about myself. But I think... We need to talk about some other things that are happening because that is, in fact, the point of the show. So The more you know. <laughs> I, I crack myself up. I think I might be one of the only people who finds me funny. Um, <laughs> That's a lie. I find you funny. Thank you, Gideon. Um, <laughs> so I think we should just jump right in because we have a lot of news to get through today. So this first story here is mine, and I wanted to talk about how this March, Facebook announced the development of an Instagram for Kids app with the stated intention of exploring a parent-controlled experience, as they said. However, after pushback from members of the public, members of Congress, a a bipartisan group of 44 attorneys general, and advocacy groups like Fair Play, Facebook has now announced that it's putting a hold on developing the new app. All these groups have urged Facebook to pull the plug, abandon ship, leave Instagram kids out for dry, what have you. They have just urged Facebook to do it. And as the Associated Press notes in its reporting on this development, the announcement to hold off follows an investigative series by the Wall Street Journal, which reported that Facebook was aware that the use of Instagram by some teenage girls led to mental health issues and anxiety. Despite the pause and continued push to cancel the project completely, the head of Instagram, Adam Masseri, said in an interview on NBC's Today Show that he still, quote, firmly believes that a tween-friendly version of this app would be a good thing to have. There are already Instagram, or sorry, there are already kid-friendly versions of some popular apps out there most relevant to this story, and the first that comes to mind for me personally here being Messenger Kids, which is a version of Facebook Messenger that was released back in December of 2017 for young kids, or for children, rather. 
same thing. Um, according to Forbes, as of April 2020, there were 7 million monthly active accounts on the app in 70 countries. And so it's not as if these apps for kids go unused. What do you guys think on this one? Do you think there should be an Instagram for kids? No. Uh, that was a quick no. Yeah, that was very, no hesitation. No, no, absolutely no hesitation because uh, I'm just going to go right with the controversial view that Facebook is evil and them trying to further claw their way into higher market share by getting kids early is a bad idea. Uh, they yeah. have a horrible track record on privacy. Kirsten, you mentioned the Instagram making uh, teenage girls have, like in- exacerbating mental health and issues and anxiety. Like, no, just just stop. Leave the kids alone, you absolute creeps. Right, and I think it's <laughs> worth mentioning too. It's not just teenage girls. I think we focus a lot on teenage girls in this conversation. It's teenage boys. It's teenagers of whatever gender that are negatively affected. Like this. And also, I think it's worth mentioning that social media platforms like this, especially social media platforms or spaces online where it's well known that you can find a lot of underage people. In my experience as someone who's grown up with the internet, those types of spaces tend to be fertile grounds for grooming. As, as unfortunate as that sounds, that's just what I've personally seen. I don't know about you guys. So the idea of having an Instagram for kids app, I'm really not familiar with how they're gatekeeping who gets to sign up for an account or not on these apps. I'm sure there must be a way, but that's my like one of my primary concerns personally. Yeah, like it sounds better in theory than anything and on paper because I mean like we all lied about our age I did Twitter have was it Twitter or Instagram that had the age thing where you had to be a certain age I think most of them do I know like 12 or 13 like we all lied that's actually law we all lied we all lied so like what's stopping you know this from being any different Mm. I guess is my point Mm. right yeah I I guess my concern isn't yeah kids are gonna lie and get on there but my concern is targeting them specifically is uh, very questionable. And Facebook's track record on ethics issues is bad. They're right. horrible. Yeah. These people have literally fueled genocides. I'm not making this up. And I mean, it's been said as well that the 13 to 18 demographic marketing wise is one of the most valuable because those are the customers who you get to grow up with your product. And that's how you get customers for life, basically. So we'll see how this develops. They've already, like I said, put a pause on this project, but whether or not they'll fully apply the brakes, who knows? Yes, uh, who knows? We'll see what's next. Uh, My confidence is always Facebook will make make the worst decision because Zuckerberg (laughs) is evil and so is his corporation. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, (laughs) But anyways. Hypothetically, even. (laughs) (laughs) If you will. Good one. If you will, yeah. Anyways, in international news, uh, on Sunday, Germans went to elections for their parliament, the Bundestag, according to the Associated Press. The center-left Social Democrats, led by Finance Minister Olaf Scholz, narrowly edged out the ruling Christian Democratic Union, led by Armin Laschet, the governor of the state of North Rhine-Westphalia. This is the worst result in German history for the CDU, which is often seen as Germany's natural governing party. However, the results have led to a a completely unclear result of who's governing. Uh, I should note Germany is a parliamentary system of government, so that 
that that's why it's kind of confusing what's happening here. So there's no obvious coalition as both the SPD, the Social Democrats, and the CDU have pulled under 30% each. And both Scholz and Laschet are claiming a mandate to govern. The kingmakers are seen uh, to be the environmentalist and moderate Green Party and the liberal uh, liberal as a more libertarian-ish. That's the way they use that in Europe. And business-friendly free Democrats. Both of them are saying that they will uh, coordinate together before talking to the big parties, the SPD and the CDU. All of this comes after longtime Chancellor Angela Merkel, who's been chancellor for 16 years. She is the longest serving uh, post-World War II chancellor of Germany. Uh, She retired and she was seen as an important global leader and leader within the European Union. So yeah, that's a a thing that a, a lot of people here in the States might not pay attention to, but does have global implications as Germany is one of the leading lights of the European Union being such a populous country and is very much involved in the geopolitics of the entire earth actually they're kind of right in between a lot of different global issues we talk about yeah wow i mean looking forward now what yeah, no, that's the big question. Uh, Germany is famous for its stability. It's yeah. very, I mean, just culturally, a, very, a culture that values a high stability. And here you have a rather unstable result. And the current government, um, as I hinted, is uh, the current governing coalition is the grand coalition of the SPD and the CDU. They don't want to do that again. It's They did it very reluctantly last time. Um, I, Merkel governed for about four terms. Three of those terms were grand coalitions. Her first two and her final term were uh, were coalitions with the SPD, which, yeah, so they don't want to do it. The, both Laschet and Schulz have ruled it out already. This did happen last election, too, and the SPD dragged themselves into a grand coalition. So I guess we'll see what happens. Very unpredictable results here. It's no part. None of the two major parties have ever pulled below 30 percent. This is a complete mess. Wow. Well, speaking of complete messes, but one that we actually can predict, yeah. I think you also have our next story. Yes, I do. So the Tempe streetcar will launch in spring of 2022 rather than this year, according to Vaughn Jones of KJZZ. Yes, that Vaughn Jones wrote this Woo. story. Um, yes, we love you, Vaughn. Vaughn's still showing up and doing the reporting for good old hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Um, So anyways, Valley Metro only has three of the six needed streetcars as the factory making them faces issues with COVID and supply chains. The uh, Valley Metro does plan on continuing to test the streetcars along with completing the operating training and electrical systems testing soon also. Yeah, this is a... Unfortunate and kind of annoying. Uh, you know, that streetcar has been under construction for what feels like a generation already. <laughs> Our kids will be long grown before <laughs> the streetcar comes. I literally titled this the streetcar that will never come. This is the third, like maybe the second or third time they've moved down the deadline. Wow. Yeah, just because it's been, 
it's been really rough with COVID impacting, you know, the factory workers' ability to even work. Right. And then supply chains. Like, it's happening up and down. Like, the raw materials used to make these actual streetcar vehicles are harder to get and more expensive. It's just a complete mess right now. Wow. And speaking of another complete mess, I think our <laughs> news segment just tends to be like, hey, this thing's a mess. Um, hey, that thing's a mess. But this one is kind of funny, I think. Earlier today, French President Emmanuel Macron was hit on the shoulder by an egg during his visit to the international an international food trade fair uh, in the city of Lyon. 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 I clearly am not a French speaker. Thank you, Gideon. Um, and this is all according to the Associated Press. And in my notes here, I I just put you really can't make this stuff up. Uh, I didn't say stuff, but you get the idea. <laughs> Because you you really can't make this up. Um, a video capturing the incident shows the egg bouncing off of Macron without breaking. Bodyguards can also be seen escorting a man away from the president as others draw closer to him to protect him. And reporters present, according to the AP, also could hear Macron saying, quote, If he has something to tell me, then he can come. If you'll remember, back in June, I remember, personally, I do remember this. We also talked about... Just, he, he keeps getting hit in public. <laughs> um, he was slapped in the face in June while greeting the public in a small French town in, like, the southeast of the country. And you might be thinking to yourself, as I was, if he has this much trouble with people when he goes out, if people continue to hit him and throw things at him, why continue to make these kinds of public appearances? Well, according to the AP, also, because they are just a really good source sometimes, <laughs> most times, crowd baths is what they're called in French, and they are a staple of French politics. And it is actually not unheard of for French leaders to enjoy spending time with the public like this. So this is A, very normal, and B, something that makes me personally beg the question, I think, how often do French leaders get things thrown at them? That's and how often question. do people make the shot? No, really good question. Uh, I'm very curious. Um, I do not. My French is uh, uh, es terrible. Um, um, actually, no, that's Spanish. I'm, see, now, uh, anyways. That's okay. I mean, Spanish and French are like sister languages in a way because yeah. they're both romantic, but or romantic languages, rather. And um, I do speak Spanish. If you were to speak French, French to me, I would just look at you and smile. And say soccer blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. No clue what's up here, but yeah, Macron, uh, who we've talked about before, messy man, messy, messy man, and yeah. Always getting into some kind of shenanigan. <laughs> truly. Um, je ne sais pas. I know that means I know nothing. Yes. And truly, I know nothing of of what's going on over in France. <laughs> But moving into entertainment, I do know a little bit about what's happening with SNL. So Saturday Night Live will be returning this weekend for its 47th season, and some key cast members will be returning, such as A.D. Bryant, Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, Keenan Thompson, and Pete Davidson. And I'll be fully transparent, I only recognized those last two names personally. I'm horrible with celebrities, I'm sorry. Not even Kate McKinnon? I, or heck, it, Cecily Strong? They ring bells, but I'm not very sure of who they are. 
Okay. Yeah, Kate McKinnon's most famous character from the past couple years was she was the Hillary Clinton on SNL. Oh, okay. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so notably, not returning for the new season is Beck Bennett, who wrote on Instagram this morning saying, Gonna miss you so much. Thank you for eight years of remarkable people and incredible experiences that completely changed my life. I had so much fun. And that tugged at my heartstrings because... Aw, how could it not? Um, Facing Bennett's departure and rumors that McKinnon, Strong, and Davidson will all be in and out of the studio as they work on outside projects as well as SNL, viewer screens will also be seeing some fresh faces. And these are also people I don't recognize, so let me know if you guys do. Comedians Aristotle Athari of Silicon Valley, James Austin Johnson of Tuca and Birdie, and Sarah Sherman of The Eric Andre Show will all be joining the cast. I am Sarah, not a big part of those shows' main demographics, I don't think. Yeah, Sarah so. Sherman's the only name I recognize, but I was really sad that Beck is leaving. Um, I love Beck. I have, like, he's one of, one of my favorites on the show, has been. Um, I don't watch it, like, super religiously, but, like, I watch, like, clips of the skits for the most part and, like, some musical performances. But, like, he was, him and Cecily Strong were, like, always my favorite. So Aww. I'm glad Cecily's at least staying, but, like, Beck leaving, that one hurts because he always did the commercial voiceovers was kind of, oh, like, that's okay, him and Cecily yeah. that you hear doing, like, when they Those are parody great. commercials. Yeah. 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 So I don't know who they're going to get to fill for that. Um, I don't know who they're going to gonna get to Phil because he did a killer uh, Mitch McConnell (laughs) a few times Um, and he's yeah he's done a lot hopefully he'll go on to do some really cool stuff yeah he probably will done a lot of voice acting in the last few years so we'll see where that goes awesome and one more thing speaking of voice actors <laughs> um, one oh, beautiful transition. One thing I know, I'm just, I'm kind of hitting them today, punch after punch. But one thing that I'm personally very excited about, and one name that I recognized instantly with a great deal of excitement, <laughs> is that Owen Wilson will be hosting the return episode this Saturday. And I don't think this needs much more to be said than just ka chow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I have to, it's such an interesting choice for the first one back, though. It is, too. And I, I think it's going to be funny. Yeah, wait, what is Owen Wilson up to nowadays? This, I guess. Yeah, I, I honestly <laughs> don't know. But with, with a little, little rusties and an insane amount of luck, you two can, can look, look like, like me. ka chow. <laughs> Um, and with that, Nicole, I think you have our next story here. Yeah, um, it's not a lot. Tony Awards. I don't know what happened. Woohoo! Tony <laughs> I Awards. Do, I, I don't know. Um, Broadway. It was more about the performances and the fact that Broadway is back. Right. Um, and like the nominations kind of show like what a weird year it was because um, Aaron Tevitt from. <clears throat> I, I'm gonna mispronounce it, so someone just say it for me. What, where is it? Um, um, the last one. Moulin Rouge. Yeah, thank you. Um, famous, iconic. Okay, I may not know much, but I know Moulin Rouge. I'm terrible at pronunciations. So I was like, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but Aaron Tevitt from Moulin Rouge won for best actor in a musical. Um, and this is straight from NPR. And it would have been pretty odd if he didn't, since he was the only person nominated in that category. So Moulin Rouge was like the big winner of the night. Um, like I said, it was more about performances. Jennifer Holliday uh, performed, and I am telling you, I'm not going from Dream Girls, and that was like 
kind of the mainstay of the performance. Christian Chenoweth and Indi- Adele Dazeem and Dina Menzel were back on stage together. Um, and that again, that was uh, the big... I don't know why I thought of that, but like that was a big big thing was Broadway was back. Um, I know Freestyle Love Supreme performed, but it wasn't like a new performance. It was like kind of like highlights. It was like you could have... You had so much to work with right in front of you and you didn't use it. Like I said, didn't Mm. watch. This is just what I've heard. This is just from New York Times and NPR. But yeah, um, Moulin Rouge, uh, The Inheritance for Play, uh, Tina the Tina Turner musical and Jagged Little Pill were all the biggest winners because they were kind of the only ones nominated. <laughs> so, again, hard to dear. lose when there's no one to lose to. <laughs> yeah, there were like three nominations for and every category. And I'm sure category. they were also great. Yeah. Yeah, there were like no more than like four nominations for every category. So, again, mm. we're here. Broadway's back. Go see a show Hooray. if you can. Yay! Yeah. I love that Broadway's back and that those people are back to work because they have been the ones who have not been able to go back to work for this the longest true. time because we can't get our stuff together. Yes. <laughs> Because people don't um, care about one another. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And one more thing that I totally had slipped my mind until just now. When we started talking about musicals, I remembered the Dear Evan Hansen movie came out on the oh 24th. Oh, yeah. And everyone hates it. I actually saw one person defend it. I will not name her on air. Oh, man. I just... One <laughs> one main criticism that I saw of Dear Evan Hansen was... And this is a criticism of the show in general and its history on Broadway. And what has been said is that basically there are almost no actors of color. There are almost no creators of color that have been involved in the production of any Dear Evan Hansen like major performance or the movie, really. They had apparently, allegedly, gotten all of their actors of color together to talk to the people who were going to be like the major creatives on the movie and talk about their experiences and what they thought of the story and the direction it should go, things like that. And then apparently they basically had, allegedly, had their work and emotional labor and creativity, all that, just kind of scooped up, used in the movie, and were not given any kind of credit or compensation, allegedly, which is just really uncool. And also the only character, I haven't seen this, it's important to note, but one criticism that I've also seen is that the only, like, main character of color is a black woman in the show and she is not treated well by the script allegedly and in early productions was also not cast as a person of color at all yeah and so. broadway jordan, is still so damn white yeah. and jordan fisher being evan and a year ago and now <clears throat> excuse me coming back on broadway to uh, play Evan again it's like a, a big deal because of the reasons you said because he's like the first black actor to be in this lead role right. and to have any role in the show and, right. and when you talk about the movie too Ben Ben Platt obviously the lead actor in this his dad is the main like production guy on this behind the scenes guy uh, I know I'm not using the correct terms but like you get, you the, get the gist he bought the rights to the to the movie musical to be produced and this was all produced under the light of making Ben Platt look the best he can Ooh. I know that sounds very ironic me saying that now if you've seen the movie this probably sounds hilarious right but um it was all like the songs any songs not in 
the movie that were in the musical, or not in the musical, but in the movie, were changed purely to make Ben Platt look good. It was told as, like, sort of Ben Platt's story, which, air quotations, like, again, sounds weird. So the whole production of this thing is just There's been terrible. a lot of criticism of it. And, and, and Ben Platt, like, I think everyone could kind of forgive Ben Platt. Like, let's be like, okay, you were the original actor in this role if he wasn't such a prick about it. <laughs> because when he was questioned about it, he defended it, saying, well, I created this. This character i was this character um i don't remember the exact quotes but you can take my word that he was a prick about it i think and the I, original playwrights were the one who yeah. created that character and oh, yeah. i might be way off base here <laughs> no, but no. well it, and then the other controversy is just like the movie itself the movie and, like, itself yeah it, it's just that like it's kind of mean-spirited like it, it's kind of like he's not really like He's kind of made out to be a hero in a weird weird way. Like, right. I won't spoil it, but, like, well, you probably know. For those who don't know, this is a story um, that involves major themes of suicide. Yes. And it's not handled in the best way, in my opinion, at least. It in is, the In the opinions of many. Yeah. Like, based on what I heard, it's better in the musical than the movie. But, like, it's, it's just, it's not good. It's like, mm. no, nah, this is still kind of wrong. <laughs> It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a the story itself is in and of itself a huge mess, and oh boy, it's incredibly we could, uncomfortable. We could go on for this yeah. for forever, but um, I'll run through sports really quickly. Sounds good. Um, Phoenix Mercury move on to face the Las Vegas Aces in the third round after defeating the New York Liberty in a thriller in the opening round, uh, getting a free throw to lift them past uh, the New York Liberty in the last like few seconds, and the number one seeded Seattle Storm. So they will be facing the Las Vegas Aces in a best of five series beginning Tuesday. The Mercury will for sure host game three, so we'll get that for sure. At uh, DFA, yeah, that's right, Desert Financial Arena right here in Tempe, due to, and I'm not joking, Disney on Ice already being scheduled at the Footprint Center. <laughs> um, someone please get the Phoenix Mercury at home. Um, I, I can't think of the arena, but there's another arena that um, Madison, like I think is what it is. Um, no, wait, are you the, talking about the Veterans Coliseum? I don't think so. I don't know. But this is where a lot of people say the Mercury should just play their games. Um, because if there is a game four, Footprint Center is currently scheduled to host the Phoenix Suns preseason game against the Lakers. For now, it's unclear where game four would be played. But it is kind of emblematic of the w- WNBA and the disrespect it gets. That freaking Disney on ice. And listen, I get it. You can't compete with the mouse. You can't tell the mouse no because he will sue the living hell of you. But... <laughs> And they will win that battle. Speaking of, other Disney news was um, the Marvel Stanley, Steve Ditko, um, possibly getting sued. If you're on Marvel's side, I have many questions for you. Your favorite characters will still be in movies and shows. Don't worry about it. But, like, let them get their their bag, please, that they rightfully deserve. Slightly off topic, but anyways. um, Yeah, Go Mercury. Go cheer on the Mercury because we can because we're so close to it. Yay, Phoenix Sports. Yay. Go Mercury. All right. uh, NFL Cardinals beat Jaguars despite the slow start and the kick six. Um, Yeah, that's right. Matt Prater was trying a 68-yard field goal, which would have been a record. Um, 
and it would have it would have held throughout the day, which I'll get to in a second. Um, if not for it being returned, uh, Cardinals still win. Still going to the Super Bowl. Go Cardinals. Uh, thank God. I'm sorry. You're going to be seeing that forever. I know the Cardinals won, but like just incredible Gus Johnson call. Just absolutely spectacular. Put him on every Cardinals game. Uh, Justin Tucker hits a 66-yard, a record 66-yard field goal as time expired to lift the Ravens over the Lions. Um, the most Lions way to lose um, keeps getting re-upped every year. They keep like kind of renewing their lease of the most Lions way to lose. Currently, this is what it will be for the next year. Hard to beat, though, um, because it... He made it, it bounced off the crossbar, and then bounced up another 20 yards and went in. It's what? insane. What? It, it's, look it up. It's that ridiculous. That sounds like something that they would have in a movie. Right? In Ford Field, so it was indoors, but still. Um, it was. The Lions also lost on a record field goal to Justin Tucker back in 2013. So, wow. you know, time is a circle. Uh, <laughs> there was controversy over the no call on the Ravens' delay of game. Um, it was. It's kind of too close to call. I'm sorry, Lions fans. It's just, it happens. Um, Matt Nagy still has a job this morning after the Bears lose 26-6 to the Browns. Nagy all through, it said this morning, all three QBs under consideration to start week four against the Lions. And to that I say, screw it. Let's just start Foles and see what happens. Because I am so done with this organization. Just ready to try anything Dude, now. yeah, let's just put, Nick, because he, he will chew, Dalton and Fields obviously won't chew out Nagy. Foles will, because he did last year. I want Foles to go in that offense, see how horrible it is, which he said it, the offense just isn't working yesterday. Um, and I want him to chew out Matt Nagy. That's what I want, personally. Moral of the story, listen to Nicole. You will begin winning games. <laughs> I think all of you on Taylor Mall, including all of us in here, could call better plays and have a better game plan than Matt Nagy had yesterday. Um, I'll complain more about it on wow. the future as female tonight at 7. I will Be complain, sure about, listen. Oh, complain about it a lot more because, oh boy, was that a terrible loss after having a week of not really needing to complain about anything. Um, ASU, hey, we won. We Football bounced back to beat Colorado 35-13. to um, I did not watch most of the game, so I can't say much, but I know Colorado um was not good offense right. bad um also took up most of the, like took our penalties so AC wasn't penalized a lot which yay improvement yeah no that yes. makes it really nice i was actually at that game and um they gave out these really cool foam fingers oh my god i saw your snapchat <laughs> of the foam snake i was like that was Yo. incredible um people were building bridges with them in the stands yeah they, they do that every game now connecting the foam fingers That's to foam, build bridges foam, it's kind of like beer snake but with like yeah, Foam it was super cool and funny. And then um, as far as the actual game itself, um, <laughs> like Nicole said, it was just abysmal offense on Colorado's part. And then as far as the penalties went, we did chant, you can do that quite a bit. Okay. So, I mean, the student section, I'm just going to be honest with you all, is kind of rowdy. Kind of rowdy. Somebody threw a can like halfway down the stands where I was and it almost hit me in the face. Yeah. So. And you should hear the things people chant. Ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking, Some of the, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of fans, um, at kickoff, I know people are still filing in, but I saw pictures. Not a lot of people there. I mean, student section looked pretty good, but it was pretty not full a lot of people there. On our side of the stands, on but the, the rest, south side, the rest, I would say, was maybe 40% of what it usually is. Yeah. Maybe don't lose in a damning way to BYU. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I know fans should be more loyal and trust me like I, I say this as like a, a completely loyal Michigan fan no matter what happens but like yeah like it's it's tough it's
it's tough to root for this team right now. <laughs> I think we should all look at the reasons why. Although I will say the game <laughs> was going in such a strong direction that myself and the people who I had come with, we all looked at each other and said, you guys want to go get some IHOP? <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame you. I and mean, then we did. <laughs> good, nice. good for you, as you should. So... Um, up next, ASU's next home game will be Stanford. That's uh, Friday, two weeks from now, uh, before fall break. Up next, though, is at UCLA at the Rose Bowl. This is an important game for the South because the winner, because um, thanks to USC losing to Oregon State, the winner of this game will likely win the South Division. Uh, ASU beat Colorado, UCLA beat Stanford. So everything's on track as if these teams never lost the horrible games that they lost two weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, winner of this game. Likely winner of the South. So very important game for the Sun Devils coming up. So Colorado is like very important step in the right direction. Nice. Very uh, cool. Let's hope uh, ASU can be consistent because that's the one thing they haven't been. Be in. consistent. Be, be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Get Nicole on the Spirit Squad right now. Heck yeah, 942. Hit me <laughs> up. Oh, and by the way, and one last thing before we end the show, yep. just on a slightly tangential note from uh, home a games, word. is I want to take this moment on Blaze Radio and just call on Valley Metro, restore late night service. Yes, <laughs> please. Oh my gosh, yes. They don't have that. Another no. thing that what? was also in my fun, fun Saturday night experience was hightailing it from the IHOP to the light rail because oh. we were all like glancing down at the time, running, glancing down at the time, going, because we really were not trying to get stuck out in Tempe at almost midnight. And then also, we didn't want to pay for an Uber. Yeah, for, there were too many of us to all fit in one Uber as well, so it would have had to been two. That's not something anybody's trying to do. Exactly. So I would like to call on Valley Metro once again, restore late night service on the light Hard rail. Agree. And re- bring back 15-minute off-peak frequencies on the light rail. Waiting 20 minutes for a train is obscene. What Gideon said. That is yes. the hypothetically speaking official position. <laughs> and also, I, Fireman Aggie, please. <laughs> um, please. Okay. I beg. <laughs> if we could, we would. Don't worry. I'm I know. Calm. If hypothetically speaking had the power of the Chicago Bears If we had the power we deserve... <laughs> Yes. But none hey, of this George would be McCaskey an issue. Visited Cronkite. Visited Cronkite, what, my freshman year? Yeah. Wow. So, he's Just a Bears saying. owner. Just saying. Just Sorry, saying. but yeah, restore Valley Metro. And then with that being said, I think it's time that we wrap it up. I know you'll miss us very much, and we will miss you too. But you can still find us on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. We are Hypothetically Speaking, and we are also on Twitter. We are on Twitter under the candle, under the candle, under the <laughs> handle of at hypoth underscore speaking be sure to go find us over there we post some pretty fun stuff and we are in fact beefing yes apparently the review squared has decided to declare war on the show i have yes. nothing to do with it so definitely hmm. uh two, like... two of the panel members on the show have nothing to do with us <laughs> <laughs> seems suspicious definitely like comment and seems subscribe sus. to our twitter guys <laughs> So we can show the review squared who's boss. <laughs> we can all watch the beef together. <laughs> Nothing yeah. sus about it. Nothing <laughs> sus about it. Definitely also follow the review squared on Twitter because th- they're okay, I guess. I you know, guess. Keep your enemies close, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with that being said, I've been cursed in Dorman. I've been getting in karaoke. I've been Nicole Pinter. And we will see you next week. Oh.